Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. So I thought about how to talk about this sermon and how do I introduce sort of the penultimate moment here? I thought about Browns fans. Now, there are some of you that you're Browns fans, and you know how I know is because you're protesting this season because you don't like something. And nobody ever protests a team unless they care about the team. Are y'all getting me? Why would you protest by not watching any games unless, unless it's something that matters to you? So first of all, there's the protesters. Then there's the people that you watch occasionally. You'll hear the scores. You'll see something on TV. You may, if the game's on, you may watch a couple of downs. You're interested, sort of. And then there are those of you that you'll watch every week. You'll watch online on TV. And then there are the people that you'll go to games. You'll spend your good hard money and go to a game. And then there's the season ticket holders. Yeah, they're the people that they pay the big money, they show up, they do the, you know, hang out in the parking lot, stay after, they watch all the games, every game, they're there, all right? And then, then you're ready for this? They're the people that they're, it's not enough. They know the stats of every single person on the team. I mean, they like know where their college is, where they came from, they know all that kind of, they're probably fantasy football players, right? So anyway, they're those people. But you know what none of those people are? None of them are players. They're all observers. So if you would, would you put that uh, scripture on the screen? We're going to go to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And I would like you to stand to your feet and honor God's word. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. We're going to stand to our feet. This is the key verse for the book of Acts. This is the key book to, verse to understand the entire book of Acts. It's actually going to give you literally the outline that Luke is going to use to outline the entirety of the book of Acts and what his purpose is in sharing the book of Acts. And it's all in this one verse, so you sort of get Acts in minuscule by one verse. And this is an all skate. You can all say Jerusalem, right? You can all say Judea, right? Judea. And you can all say Samaria, right? So this is an all skate. I'm going to ask everybody to participate. Can you read this out loud with me together? Can we do this? Because I want to give you the book of Acts in, in short. You ready? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, that was pretty good. Most of you participated. I'm impressed. Could use a couple of you in first service. You know, we do have a 9 o'clock service here. Some of you can start coming to 9 o'clock. I could use that kind of participation there. Y'all ready? Can we do it again? Can we do it again? Is that all right? And if the person next to you wasn't one of those who participated, give them a big elbow in the ribs. Tell them, come on, let's do this. Y'all ready? Here we go. Together. Everybody together. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Father, I pray that today the truth 
of the power, our need of the power of the Holy Spirit would settle into our hearts and we would hear your message to us and respond. In the name of Jesus, we pray it. Amen. Amen. Now, before you sit down, you've got to turn to somebody and give them a big smile because nobody's been nice to them all week long, and it's your turn to be nice to them. Give them a big smile. There you go. There you go. If you're online, here's your big smile. There you go. All right. All right. <clears throat> so the problem I have with Christians, the problem I have with Christianity today is that we sort of view Christianity as, I went to church, I prayed a prayer, I got my get out of hell free card. So I got my get out of hell free card, so I'm, I'll show up occasionally and watch the game and, and let the pastor and a couple key people do the work, and I'm going to watch from the sidelines, and I'm going to watch the show, and then I'm going to walk out the door, and I'm not going to be anything more than a fan. Now there are some of you, you're fans of God and you're mad at him, and I know you're mad at him as you say you don't believe in him. Why in the world would you have to tell anybody you don't believe in God unless you already believe in him and you're mad at him? <laughs> so the simple fact you're mad at him tells me you believe in him because you don't need to be mad at something you don't believe in. <laughs> and if you're mad at God, then deal with it and be honest about it and go to counseling, talk to a pastor, do something like I have to do. You know, you don't want to know how I'm mad at God, but I'm really mad at God. Do you know that? Do you know I live mad at God? Did you know that? It, it's all right to be mad at God. You know, God sometimes disappoints me and doesn't do what I want him to do. Imagine that. God doesn't do what I want him to do. But we'll talk about that later this year. All right. So anyway, and then there are others of you. You're like the spectator. I mean, you show up once a month, you know. If, if it's on, if I'm traveling, I may check the on-site, you know, to come to church once a month. And there are others, you're faithful. You're like every week, you know, tuned in online or here in person and in the stands, you know, but you're in the nosebleeds. You don't, you don't ever take that step in. But do you know God never called you to be a fan? Imagine, imagine if next day, tomorrow, you woke up, those of you that are Browns fans, and you got a call, we just drafted you. Come on, come on. You just got drafted. You are no longer in the stands. You go to the locker room and you're going to be on the field with us. And whatever your talent is, God supernaturally, divinely, like gives you the talent and you grow like four inches and gain 100 pounds of muscle and you're ready to go. Whatever. I don't know. But whatever it is, you now get in the game. That's how it is with Christianity. God did not, hold on, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be a consumer. You'll be a fan. You'll watch other people. No, you will what? You will be. You're not a doing Christian, you are a being Christian. God called you to be Christ. To a world that needs it. God called you to be power to a world in need. God called you to be new life in him. You did not get a get out of hell free card. No, you get a I get to follow Jesus with all my life. 100% all in the game, all the time, all full. That's who you're supposed to be. 
And some of you are wondering why my Christian life doesn't work right. It's because you're trying to be a fan rather than being a witness. And by the way, do you know what the Greek word for witness is? Martyr. Now, it started as witness and martyr were, it was witness. But Christians, because so many of them testified and witnessed to the power of God that they began being killed, that you and I, when we hear the word martyr, we don't think witness. We think somebody that was willing to lay down their life for the cause of the gospel. And that's what you're called to be. You are not called to be a sideline Christian that obeys God when it's convenient. You are called to die to yourself, to die to your desires, to die to your will, your passions, your wants, your thoughts, your ideas, your culture, your expectations. You're dead. I've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I. Christ lives in me. You're called to die. And the problem that you're so upset with God and Christianity and it ruffles your feathers without ever giving you life is that you're not sold out. And the very beginning is this. If you want to walk in all God has for you, you got to go all in. You got to get out of the stands and get on the field. You got to go all in. And that's what this message is about. That's what the truth is about. That's what the, the story of Acts is about. A group of people that all of a sudden one day they went from being observers of Jesus to witnesses who are fully all in for Jesus Christ. You will, in that moment, receive the power to be, not to do, to be. All right, I got I to gotta get to my notes. So what happened in the book of Acts is this outline he gives us. He tells us Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. What he's doing is he's laying an outline. It's like he planned this book or something because what he's going to do is he's going to go, as we walk through the book of Acts, you're going to see instances where the gospel moves from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You're going to see that progression. Did you know it's in there? It's like he intentionally did it or something. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at five times in the book of Acts where people were saved and had an experience where they were filled with that power. And it's intentional, and it's done on purpose, and it's done to help us see what it means to live a life sold out to God. So the first one is, it's the, the disciples. So the disciples, by the way, they, they're, let me establish something for you. Um, you cannot be saved without the Holy Spirit coming to live in you. If you, I, I, I could go through Ephesians, I could go through Romans, I could talk these passages that talk about it, but the fact of the matter is, the moment you are saved, the Holy Spirit comes to indwell you. Everybody say indwell. indwell. Comes to indwell you, lives inside you. All right, so that's the moment of salvation. Well, the disciples had this moment in John chapter 20, verse 19 and 20 through 22. Um, it says, in the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, the doors were locked out of fear for the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands inside. So it, this is a resurrected Jesus, right? Died for their sins, established the new covenant, resurrected Jesus. Can we all agree? All right, this is a resurrected Jesus. So they call in him Lord, and that means they're saved. Because in this moment, what Jesus does is he breathes on them, and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. This is the moment when salvation was poured out on the world to any person that would have it. Yes. 
received the Holy Spirit. They were saved. The Holy Spirit came and dwelt in them. And this was to the disciples. Now in Acts chapter 2, we find out these same disciples were told in Acts chapter 1, don't leave Jerusalem, but go wait until the Holy Spirit's given to you. So they're now in the upper room. It's the day of Pentecost. And here they are, day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost fully come, and these are the same disciples. And they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like a blowing violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. Oh, can we pause for just a second? We read this, and, and most of you have heard this at some point or another. You've heard it. And you know what you've heard? You've heard it so much that you already have a preconception about what this moment must have looked and felt like. Actually, you don't. You've never thought about what this moment felt like because you just read a verse and you apply it. But can you imagine? You're sitting in an upper room in Jerusalem and people are down on the streets and they're willing to kill you because they killed Jesus and they're killing other people. And you're sitting in the upper room and you're there and Jesus, you saw Jesus alive and you're bewildered and you're like, wow, what's going on? There are 120 of you sitting around and all of a sudden, out of heaven comes a wind. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine sitting in church today and all of a sudden, you know? And then fire comes down from heaven and sits on top of your head. How freaky would that be? You know, fire, I'd be like, woo. <laughs> Come on, this would be a weird moment. Can we, can we embrace that this was unexpected and out of the ordinary? We're sitting here and fire comes, sits on my head, wind blowing throughout. And all of a sudden, everybody in the room starts doing what? They're filled with the Holy Spirit and they start talking in tongues. This is freak out moment. Freak out 101, right? That would not be a normal church service. But these guys, they're sold out. They saw Jesus alive. They got nothing to lose. They know they're willing to die. They saw him alive. Here they are. What are they willing to do? They're willing to follow Jesus so much that they're willing to go back to the place where everybody wants to kill them, and they want to hang out in an upstairs room where everybody knows they're at, and they're waiting for some promise Jesus said he was going to give. And all of a sudden, fire comes down. And they begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, what is the substance of this tongues? Can we talk about this for a second? There are people that they say, well, you know, tongues are always a national language, a known language. Glossolalia means language. I, I get what you're saying, but let's, can we look at the internal evidence of this passage? Would you all be all right if we just examine the passage to see what the substance of these tongues were? Yes. All right, here we go. You ready? Now, they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard the sound, the crowd came together in bewilderment because each one, what? Heard. Their own language being spoken. Now, if you read in the book of Acts, you're going to read that there are 15 distinct languages that are spoken of in this passage. 15 different languages are spoken of. And those 15 languages are spoken by 120 people. So this is an all skate. Would you all help me out? You know what all skate is, right? When you were a kid, they used to do girl skate and boy skate, and then they'd do all skate, and everybody gets back on the floor, right? So I need everybody to skate with me, all right? Everybody? And if you don't want to participate, come on, man. Come on, let's have fun. You, this is going to be your sentence. If you don't want to participate, your sentence is, this illustration's stupid, right? But here's what I need. I need every person. I need every person to think of five, four or five word sentence, all right? I like past your shoes. I don't, I don't know what it is. What's your sentence? All right, everybody, you got your sentence? 
Now, there's one other thing we need to know before you speak your sentence, and that is that um, when they heard them declaring the wonders of God in their own tongues, it amazed and perplexed. They asked each other, what does this mean? Others made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. Now, anybody know how people with too much wine talk? First of thing, you find out, you can tell somebody's had too much wine because all of a sudden the volume goes up, right? So how were these people talking in tongues? Were they talking in tongues quietly? No, they were talking in tongues loudly with some energy. So everybody, everybody help me, okay? A little more than 120 here, all right? But we can do this. We can have some fun, right? Everybody got your sentence? Four or five words. And how are you going to say your sentence? On, the, on one, two, three, I'm going to do it. And I want everybody to help because this, this will really help, all right? We all do it together. You ready? On one, two, three, everybody's going to say your sentence. Y'all ready? One, two, three. Wow. Now, hold on. How many of you clearly heard what was said? What? Could you imagine being outside hearing that noise and in 15 different languages saying, oh, I clearly heard them declaring the glories of God and praising him and telling of his wonders. Something happened between what came out of their mouth and what the people heard. Now, I was reading an article. I, I got a buddy that um, he, he goes to a, a different district, and in one of the districts down south of the assemblies got at camp this year, there was a little girl that got baptized in the Holy Spirit at the altar. She was in middle school camp, and she was there. They prayed for her. She started speaking in tongues. She was an English speaker, a native English speaker, had never spoken any other language in her life, but there was a little girl sitting over here. This little girl over here heard her talking in tongues, and she was telling her about her family life and telling her that God loved her even though her world had been messed up and told her that he wanted to save her and give her a life and a purpose and give her a reason for living in this world. And this little girl was talking to this little girl. She was first time talking in tongues, speaking to this girl, and this girl was hearing everything about her life and how God loved her. After the altar service, this girl goes over to this girl and starts talking to her. I think it was in Spanish. And this girl did not know what she was saying. Was looking at her like she was crazy. Now, this girl could not speak Spanish, probably wasn't speaking Spanish, but something happened in the space in between when what came out by faith and the power of the Holy Spirit between this space and this space became a prophetic word that God spoke to her heart. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. There was a din of noise. By the way, tongues in their essence is gibberish. You can read 1 Corinthians 14. That's what it is. Don't think you're going to be some eloquent. It's gibberish. You know why it's gibberish? It's gibberish because it's your spirit praying. I got a little granddaughter. She's about nine months old. And she'll come over and go, blah, 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 blah. And I know exactly what she's saying because her spirit's talking to my grandpa's spirit. <laughs> Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about? And when you pray in a tongue, according to Romans chapter 8, your spirit is praying directly to God, spirit to spirit, 1 Corinthians 2. Your spirits are spiriting together. It's weird. It's freaky. But on the day of Pentecost, they were freaked out and weirded out too. But God changed the entire world. Maybe, just maybe, there's some power here that you're not checking into because you've got an attitude. And I'm telling you, if you've got an attitude, can we just drop those attitudes and could we say, God, whatever it is that you got, I want it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So listen to this, all right? In the Old Testament, I did some research years ago in the Old Testament. 
people were filled with the Holy Spirit too. Did you know that? And when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they were, they were handpicked. They were, you know, the Samuels, the Josephs, the Gideons, and David, and Moses. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And every one of them had a job. And I found every place in the Bible a person was filled with the Holy Spirit. I, I kept track of it, and I put them into categories, and each one of them had a purpose. And if you were filled with the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, you had one of three jobs. You were either an intercessor, that you grabbed a hold of lost, fallen, messed up humanity, and you grabbed a hold of God, and you prayed, and you interceded. By the way, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, that we intercede with groans that words cannot express. And those groans in the Spirit, you're interceding in the Spirit in accordance with the will of God. There is an intercession level to this fullness of the Holy Ghost. Second thing is, is the prophet. The prophet speaks the words of God, divinely inspired by God, to speak to God's people. And the third is leaders. Divine leadership to say, hey, let's go get on the field. Let's get out of the stands, everybody. Let's go. And I just want to tell you today, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the substance is going to be one of three things. You're either going to become an intercessor, or you're going to become a prophet, or you're going to be a leader leading people into the kingdom of God. That's what the power is for. So the reason I tell you that is because they started asking a question, what does this mean? What's it? This is weird. What does this mean? Everybody was saying. And notice what Peter said. He said, these people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. And I got a joke there. I'll skip. <laughs> this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. He said, no, this is it. This, this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on who? The Holy Spirit's not for a hand-picked few to be leaders or prophets or intercessors. But in case you're wondering who this power of the Holy Spirit is for, it's not for a hand-picked David. He says, you're, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people, your sons and your daughters. Your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see vision. Your old men will dream dreams. I'm still seeing visions. That means I'm young. Even on my servants, even on the slaves, the lowest, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. God wants every single follower to get out of these stands and into the game by the power of the Spirit. All right, second group is the Samaritans. I'm going to do these quick. Y'all need to study these on your own, but I, I'm going to show you. We go from Jerusalem, we're going to Samaria. We'll come back to Judea in a second. Samaritans. Uh, Acts chapter 8, verse 5 and 6. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and the signs he performed, they paid close attention to what he said. Verse 12, when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus, they were what? How saved do you need to be to believe in Jesus and be baptized? Pretty saved, right? Are you going to get more saved than believe in Jesus and baptized? Are you going to get more saved? So these people were saved. They were indwelt by the Holy Spirit. But notice verse 14. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. And when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because he had not yet come on them. Apparently, you can be saved and the Holy Spirit indwell you and not be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Apparently, it's possible. The disciples were saved. Later on, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. The Samaritans, they're saved. They're not filled with the Holy Spirit. So what happened? Verse 17, when Peter and John placed their hands on them, they received the Holy Spirit. 
Now, when Simon saw, here's the only evidence that this happened, is there was a guy named Simon. He was a sorcerer. He was a sorcerer. He was a tarot card reader or read his horoscopes or whatever you call him. He was one of those guys. And when he saw that the Holy Spirit was given on laying on the apostles' hands, he said, hey, give me, I'll give you money. Let me be able to do this. This is real power. I want to know how you do this. Because you see, those of you that expect horoscopes or sorcerers or tarot card readers or psychics or something, when you expect them to tell you the truth, what they're doing is they're lying to you and deceiving you. And when you encounter the power of the Holy Spirit, you encounter the real and you don't need the lies anymore. So those of you that read your horoscope, Stop it. In the name of Jesus, stop it. Why are you searching for direction from Satan when you could have direction from God? What are you? All right. Simon saw this. So there was something powerful enough that he witnessed that made him willing to offer money. He saw it. All right. So the next guy we're going to talk about is a guy named Saul. You might have heard of him, right? He turned into the great apostle Paul. Now Saul, we know, was persecuting the church in Acts chapter 9, verse 3, as he neared Damascus where he was going, he was going to kill Christians and take them captive. Suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice, from him, uh, voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? <laughs> I love this. All of a sudden, God comes and goes, whack! <laughs> Who are you, Lord? Saul said. Who are you? Lord, <laughs> Jesus said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now, he was persecuting Christians, but who was, who was Paul persecuting or Saul persecuting? He was persecuting Christ. What did Christ have to say about that? I don't like this. Whack! Knocked him to the ground. Made him blind, by the way. By the way, do not be dumb enough to wait for God to knock you to the ground before you say, all right, I submit, I surrender. Because, do you know this? When you get to rock bottom, do you know what you encounter at rock bottom? The rock. You encounter the rock, Jesus Christ. And you know what? Some of you, the only way you're going to learn is to get to rock bottom. And I'm just saying, why not skip the pain? Why do you have to be blinded? Why do you have to be knocked to the ground? Come on. So anyway... Saul got up from the ground, and when he opened his eyes, he could see what? He was blind. By the way, what did he declare? Who are you, Lord? He declared. He made Jesus his Lord in that moment. That's when it all changed. But he's led by the hand. He goes into town. Then this Ananias dude, come on, Ananias, one of my heroes. You're talking about bold. He knows he's going to go get some guy that kills Christians. And he goes, walks into his room and says, Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, <laughs> Brother Saul, the Lord, the Lord, this Jesus who appeared to you on the road, the Lord, he appeared to you on the road as you were coming here. He sent me so that you may see again, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. <laughs> he was baptized. He wasn't baptized before, even though he believed. The reason he wasn't baptized before is because he couldn't see. <laughs> Do you know why the blind man fell in the well? Because he couldn't see that well. Anyway, <laughs> I'm sorry. Just, it just popped into my head. I couldn't resist. I'm sorry. All right. So anyway, here's Saul. 
And, and what happens here? Let's not miss the metaphorical and the spiritual thing that's happening as well as the physical thing. Up until this time, Saul had read the law of the Scriptures. He had read the law with scales on his eyes, not being able to, with the veil, he calls it, that covered God, covered God up like the veil of the temple. It covered God up. There were scales on his eyes. He couldn't understand God. He couldn't understand Jesus. He couldn't understand. Up until that time, there was a veil. But you know what happened in this moment? God took the veil away from his eyes, both physically and spiritually, and out of his heart began to come words like Galatians. Come on. So there's something real going on here. But I want you to see something also about Saul, though. At some point, we know that Saul became Pentecostal in his practice and behavior. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 18, it says, I thank God that I speak, this Paul writing, he said, I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you. So somehow he started that Pentecostal crazy tongue-talking junk. But in church, I would rather speak five intelligent words to instruct than 10,000 words in a tongue. So he's talking in tongues, but not in church. All right. Can we keep moving along? Cornelius. Cornelius. Now, Cornelius is a believer. Cornelius is just not allowed in the church. Cornelius is a believer. He's just not allowed in the church. The reason that, why not is he is in Judea and he's a Gentile. He's a Gentile. So remember we talking about these phases. He's in Judea. He's a Gentile. Gentiles were not allowed in the church. It was a Jewish church. And he was a stinking Gentile. He had to stay on the outside like they did in Judaism. So this Acts chapter 10, the whole passage is about how it's moving from this guy that believes in Jesus but not allowed in to how he gets accepted. That's the story. So Acts chapter 10, verse 1 and 2, at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and his family were devout and God-fearing, and he gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. So what we know is he was devout, he followed God, he gave gifts, alms to the poor, he prayed. This was as good of a guy as you can get. He was devoted to God. You know what else we know about him? He knew all about Jesus. And we know that from Acts chapter 10, verse 36. It says, you know the message God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Now, those two words you know is not a good translation. Actually, those words are not there. Those verse are, words are at the beginning of verse 37, but for translation purposes, they move it there to help us understand. And the word is not you know, though. In the Greek, it's a perfect act of oideia. It's a word that means you have known or you already know all of this. Are, are y'all following me? You already know the good news of Jesus Christ. And he talks about, you know the miracles he did. You know how. All of these things. And it's always a pre present active. Peter's saying, you, uh, you guys already know all about Jesus. I, for some reason, I just was in here to tell you. And then something weird happened. What happened? Verse 44. When Peter was still speaking all these words, tell them about Jesus, which they already knew about but they weren't accepted. The Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message and the circumcised believers who had come with Peter, or the Jewish believers who had come with Peter, were, they were what? Oh no, can you believe this? These stinking Gentiles just got filled with the Holy Ghost like we did. Oh dang, now we gotta accept them too. I'm telling you, this is the passage. That's exactly what it says. I'll read it for you. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the stinking Gentiles. Stinking's not in your Greek, but it should be. <laughs> even on the Gentiles. And how did they know that, that we have to accept them? Well, they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God just like they did back on the day of Pentecost. Then Peter said, surely nobody can stand in the way of these guys joining the church and getting baptized too. 
Read it. That's what the whole passage is about. Because God gave them the Holy Spirit just like us, so we got to accept them. <laughs> How did they know they were filled with the Holy Spirit? Can you imagine? He's like there preaching, you know, Peter's going off and all. Could you imagine I'm preaching this sermon and all of a sudden all of you just go, I'm like, what the heck just happened in here? <laughs> right? Wouldn't that be weird? It, it, a lot of you read the New Testament like it's some holy book from long ago, and it may be a holy book from long ago, but I'd like you to read it more like it's real people because it really was real people in real times and real spaces having real experiences. And Peter's just preaching a sermon, and all of a sudden people start talking in tongues all loud and boisterously and all that, and he's like, well, I guess we got to baptize them now. Yeah. <laughs> They're filled with the Holy Ghost too. God took them out of the stands and put them on the field. I guess we got to let them on the team. <laughs> all right. Last of all, Ephesians. We got to talk to the ends of the earth, all right? Acts chapter 19. Y'all let me do this real quick? Yes. All right. Acts chapter 19. While Paul was at Cor uh, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior, arrived at Ephesus. So Ephesus is as far away as you're going to get in the book of Acts. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? There's something the matter with your worship service today. <laughs> There's something missing with your worship service. He thought they were believers, so he says, hey, guys, you're acting a little Baptist today. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm sorry. Have a little fun, all right? Can, I, can we have fun? Is that all right? All right. He said, uh, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said, no, we've not even heard such thing of the Holy Spirit. So Paul said, well, back the wagon up. What baptism did you receive? Well, John's baptism, Paul says, well, I get it now. John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He was telling the people to believe in Jesus who was to come after him. And the people go, oh, now we get it. Jesus makes sense. So what happened? On this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So did they get saved? They get saved? They believed in a resurrected Jesus. They were baptized in water. Did they saved? Yes. Indwelling Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came and lived in them. What did Peter do next? Uh, Paul do next? Really weird. What did he do? On hearing this, what happened? Paul placed his hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came on them, and they did what? Spoke in tongues, and they prophesied. Now to the ends of the earth, there's tongues. In Jerusalem, there was tongues. In Samaria, there was tongues. And are y'all are following me here? Now, now let, me, let me see if I can wrap this up in a bow, all right, to finish this up. If you go down here to the corner, and you're going to buy a car, say you're going to go buy a car from this dude on the corner. Let's say it's a 1969 Nova. Mm. Super sport, of course. And you pull up there and you, you walk up to him and say, hey, I'd like to see this 1969 super sport Nova. <laughs> Body in mint condition. Oh, yeah. And he says, dude, you got to hear this. This is the absolute best stereo you'll ever hear in your life. You got somebody put in those big ones in the back, you know, those big thumpers that make everything in the neighborhood rattle. You know, your windows shake when you go by. And this stereo is amazing. It's got these big speakers in the back, and it's got like four, uh, I don't know, Sony or whatever. I, I don't know. It's got these huge speakers in the doors and sides and in the back. And you turn it on, and, you know, and all the cars driving down 83 start bouncing. As, I mean, this is the best stereo you have ever heard in your life. And you're like, wow, this is an amazing car. It looks so beautiful. It's got a great stereo. Let me see the engine. He said, I have one. <laughs> what? 
You're going to sell me a 69 Nova Super Sport with no engine in it? Where's the 350? No, no, it doesn't have an engine. Now, the problem I have with how Pentecostals have handled this whole baptism of the Holy Spirit empowered from on high in tongues is they keep telling you talk in tongues, like put a stereo in your car. I don't need a stereo in a 69 Nova Super Sport. You know what I need? I need that 350. I need an oversized cam so that when it shifts, the car goes vroom, vroom. Come on, y'all with me? I need a blower on the front, big old blower. I need to bore out the pistons and put some pop-up pistons in there. I need some racing fuel in the tank. Come on. Anybody following me? You know what you do when you step on the gas of that 69 Nova? What happens when you hit the gas pedal with that engine underneath? Come on, what happens? I, if it's in neutral, you better be careful. Right? You put that thing in drive and you step on the gas. What's going to happen? You better know how to handle a snake because it's going to be... What do you want? Do you want a 69 Nova with the world's best stereo? Or do you want a 69 Nova that can win the drag race? Now listen, if it can win the drag race, it's got power. If it's got a stereo, it's got noise. My problem with how Pentecostals have handled the Pentecostal experience in tongues is we tell you to make some noise. And I'm telling you, get some power. And when you step on the gas, the entire neighborhood will know. Your family will be different. Your life will be different if you've ever stepped on that gas pedal. Are y'all following me? It was years ago, my mom, had, uh, my mom was a young girl. She was about nine years old. And my grandma had 11 kids. This was in the day before they took good care of you. And she had 11 kids. I don't know if you know what it's like to pull 11 kids out of a woman's body, but she, well, some things started dropping out. And the bleeding was nonstop and she was literally dying. Things had fallen out and the blood was flowing and she was laying in her bed dying. And my grandpa, a six foot four, 260 pound, mean as a snake, son of a gun, was standing there by her bedside crying because he didn't want his wife to die and leave him with 11 kids. Are y'all following me? Are are y'all awake? Brother Morris, the local Assembly of God pastor was called to the house. Brother Morris goes to the house. He walked through the door. He went over the bed where Grandma was laying. And he laid his hands on Grandma Carter. And when he laid hands on her, whoop, it came back inside her and the blood stopped. She was 100% healed. She was filled with the Holy Ghost and power. And my grandpa fell to his knees and gave his heart to Jesus Christ right there. And there were people a quarter of a mile down the road that heard my grandma get filled with the Holy Ghost and healed at the same moment. And they didn't have to call and say, oh, by the way, something's happened up at the Carter house because the power of the Holy Spirit is able to change the circumstance instead of us walking around in the same old garbage we always live in. Get out of the stands and get on the field. I 
have been praying for God to give us a Cornelius moment in this house. That out of the power of heaven, God would just sweep through this room and he would get you out of the stands and he'd put an engine in you. I've had enough of your noises, says God. I've heard your noisy worship and it doesn't impress me. But the power of God that's able to change worlds needs to come live in you. You will receive powers. You will be a witness. And if you want that power, I want you right now to stand your feet around this room. It's time to get out of the stands. Just stand up right now. It's time to get out of the stands. It's time to get on the field. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Throw your hands up to heaven. Begin to pray right now. Father, move in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you fill uh, fill every person in this place? Would you sweep across this room? In the power of Jesus Christ, would you begin to move over every person right now? God, you would begin to break the powers of darkness. Lord, you would begin to remove those things which stand in the way. You would begin to change minds and hearts. And God, I pray people would begin to focus on you. There would be power from the Holy Spirit. Begin to fill and begin an engine, God. An engine of power and strength, God, to live for you. That there would be prayer languages begin to happen. There would be people begin to intercede for those who are lost and far from you. There would be a turning from darkness to light. God, there would be power to speak your word with boldness, with clarity and that we would follow you God with all of our hearts, with all of our spirits, with all of our beings Lord come on begin to cry out to God right now in this space, begin to cry out Jesus fill me with your Holy Spirit I want the power you have Lord, I want to walk in your power. I want to be a man of God after your heart, seeking you. I want to put you first above my own desires, above the brokenness of my own heart. In the name of Jesus, Spirit of God, I ask you to move. I ask you to move on every person that seeks you and that you would give us a powerful engine of life in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus a powerful engine of life and our world would be changed in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Here's how we're going to end today. It doesn't, if God gives you power and you don't use it, you're useless. So out back, we've got people waiting to sign you up to Harvest Ridge so you can be light and love to a community that needs it. When you walk out of this place, show the love of Jesus Christ to people. Quit acting like every other weirdo in this world that's hating and fighting all the time. You are a Jesus lover everywhere you go. You're different. In the name of Jesus, you're different. You're different. In the name of Jesus, there's power, signs and wonders and miracles are going to follow you. You're going to be in Walmart and something weird's going to happen. Somebody's going to tell you they're sick. You're going to say, can I pray for you now, Jesus? Please heal them. And they're going to get healed in Walmart. I believe that God wants you out of the stands. He wants you on the field to be a witness. One of the ways you do that, if you have not signed up for Harvest Ridge, may God have mercy on your soul. It is uh, Harvest Palooza. It's your day. Sign up right out back. We got people waiting for you. God bless you. Have a great week. If you want to stay, come to these altars. We got time. Come on. God bless you guys. Have a great week.